Chapter One of Theophilus or Love Divine by Pierre Dumoulin, translated by Richard Goring. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Of True and False Love. Love is that point of our spirits whereby she joineth herself unto objects. That which is weight in heavy things, love is the very same in our souls. For as weight moveth earthly bodies towards the place of their rest, so love moveth our souls towards that object which promiseth rest and contentment. Whereupon it followeth that, as heavy things do move in a direct line towards the place of their rest, so if we will attain unto any perfect repose, our love must go right and have an equal motion. 1. True love, then, is that same which giveth rest and contentment unto the soul, whereas false love is an irregular agitation and endless motion. Such is worldly love, which we see to be filled with quietness, and not to stay his agitation, but through wearisomeness or despair, which is no rest, but an unableness to move, because that force failing, desire doth still continue, like unto a tied horse which gnaweth his bit. Such are almost all men, they have many desires and little power, they most desire that they can least do neither being able to obey or command their covetousness. They cannot obey it because of their weakness, nor command it because of their incontinency. So that if a man enjoy without any let that which he loveth, that very easiness itself bringeth him a distaste withal. For worldly love is inflamed by resistance, and nourished with difficulties, like unto those fishes which love to be in violent streams and floodgates, but do die in a still water." The cause of this unquietness is because that our love chooseth false objects, and which cannot satisfy covetousness. For if you pass your eye upon all which is best and most pleasing in the world, you shall not find therein any firm and stable quiet, but a chain of cares linked together, a web of perpetual unrest. The most grave sweets are soured in bitterness. The achievement of riches, pleasure, and honour is painful, and many perish in the pursuit thereof. The possession is uncertain, but the loss certain. For if these things leave not us by some accident, we shall leave them by death. These are things which are bestowed not only upon the wicked, but even because they are bad, as being rewards of wickedness. To expose a man's love towards these things is but a pursuing of the wind, and a perpetual travail. For even when these things might be termed always good, yet are they uncertain. A man cannot take good aim at a flying fowl, nor have any assured designment aiming after transitory goods and pleasures. We must seek our rest then some otherwhere than on the earth, and turn the edge of our love towards heaven. For even as the lower part of the elementary region is the seat of winds, tempests, and earthquakes, but that part towards heaven is always peaceable and still, so our love shall be ever full of unquietness whilst it setteth itself upon base things, but it shall find rest if it raise itself towards heaven and God's promises. And for this cause is it, that, in the midst of tempestuous weather at sea, the needle of the compass remaineth always unmovable, and stayed upon one point, namely, because it governeth itself by the pole. In like sort the soul of a faithful Christian, in the midst of the confusions of this world and most grievous afflictions, shall enjoy a most assured peace, because his love aimeth at heaven, and stayeth itself upon God's promises, which is the true object of our love, which alone is to be chiefly loved, which can make us lovely in loving us, and which alone can, yea, will, make them happy who love them. 
as the apostle St. Paul saith, The eye of man hath not seen, his ears heard, nor hath ever entered into his heart what things God hath prepared for those which love him. Also he promiseth in St. John to come unto him which loveth him, and to dwell with him. Admirable love which maketh our souls to be the palace of the King of heaven and the sanctuary of his spirit. 2. Philosophy leadeth us hereunto at unawares, for it hath for a general maxim that God and nature make nothing in vain. Now this infinite desire, this unsatiable appetite which is in man, should be in vain, if there were not something to content it, which, being not found upon earth, must be sought for in heaven and towards God, who is infinite goodness. 3. Add hereunto that God, having created the world for man's use, hath without all doubt created man for some better thing than the world, to wit, for God himself. 4. And that amongst all creatures God hath created man alone unto his image, alone with upright stature and visage erected upwards, to the end he might love him whose resemblance he beareth, and that his desire and his love might aim at heavenly things. 5. Add we hereunto that the perfection of our spirits cannot be but in the union with the chief of spirits, which communicateth his virtue unto the creature, in like fashion as the sun darteth out his beams, that is, giveth it in such sort, that it yet dependeth upon him after having given it. 6. Moreover, true love is that which transformeth the lover into the thing beloved. Now, if a deformed man love a corporal beauty, never shall he by that love correct his own imperfection. Contrariwise, by loving God we become like to him, and as the Apostle saith in the Second Corinthians chapter 3, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord with open face, we are changed into the same image. 7. Finally, beauty being the first spark of love, we shall see hereby how that which we call love is not so, but only a superficial colour, which covereth filth, but that light is true beauty. God then being the first light and father of lights is also the chief beauty, and by consequent he that we ought chiefly to love. Yet human philosophy disagreeth here in one point from divine, which is the word of God. For natural philosophy holdeth that natural motion is always better than that which is against nature. On the contrary, in matter of love, the scripture teacheth us that the love contrary unto our nature is better than the natural. For since Satan, by seducing Adam, hath disfigured the image of God in man, man's desires have turned towards the world, and in a manner our love hath been fallen headlong down from heaven to earth. The affections of the flesh are enmity with God. Romans 8. If any one love God, it is not of his own nature, but it is a gift of God. Wherefore our Lord Jesus, in the eighth of St. John, saith, that none can come to him if his father draw him not. And the Apostle St. Paul, pulling us out of the mire and thick mud, commandeth us to seek the things which are on high. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. For the saying of the Apostle St. John, is most true that we must love God because he hath loved us first. This is also one of the effects of the love of God towards us, to wit, our love towards him. And there is nothing that we ought to demand of God with more fervency than to have the grace to love him, for this is unto the faithful a witness that God loveth him. It is the first effect of faith, it is a most express trace of God's image, it is the most lively mark of God's children. This love is the soul of other virtues, the rule of our actions, the summary of the law. 
this love is the upholder of martyrs, the ladder of heaven, the peace of conscience. Yea, I dare say, it is a taste and a beginning of the union and communication which we shall have with God in heaven. Our meditation cannot choose a more excellent subject, for what is there which is greater than God, or more sweet than his love? The prophet likewise is no less than the sweetness, for men are good or bad, not because they believe, but because they love. Those be good which love good things, and amongst good things, what is there like unto God? Who not only is sovereignly good, but who also maketh them good which love him? Let us then endeavour so to do, and to be disciples unto the Holy Spirit, which is love itself, and which will form our hearts unto love, lest we be deceived under this name of love, and lest we should take for this true love a corporal love, an importunate itching, a furious heat, to wit the worst of vices for the chief of virtues, a brutal sickness for an angelical perfection. I know truly that he who shall dispose himself to love God with all his heart, and to neglect all other considerations in regard of his service, shall necessarily incur the hatred of the world, whose love is enmity with God, as the Apostle St. James saith. But God causeth this hatred of the world to profit us, for, as the Apostle saith, all things together, one with another, turn to the good of those which love God. Evils become blessings unto them. Corporal afflictions are so many spiritual exercises unto them, the sicknesses of the body are medicines unto their souls, for in the hands of this sovereign physician very poison itself becometh a medicine. His strokes are balm, as David saith, and in suffering for God's cause there is not only matter of patience, but even occasion of glory. They are like scars on the forehead, honourable maims, conformities unto Jesus Christ, liveries of a Christian soldier, and all through the underpropping of this love, whose sweetness tempereth this bitterness, and maketh us rejoice for his name's sake. Someone will say that the love of God is an excellent virtue indeed, but that to love him we must know him before, and that we cannot know him in this life, but with a slender and obscure knowledge. This is true, but for all this we must not let to study the same. We must not suffer ignorance to be cause of negligence, for we cannot have so little knowledge of God, but it will profit us and stir us up unto the love of God. One beam of his light is worth the whole sun. A man were better to have an obscure knowledge of God than a clear understanding of natural things. If a beam of the sun do enter into an obscure den or dungeon, the prisoner by this little snip knoweth the beauty of light, so the little which we have of the knowledge of God is sufficient to give us a taste of his excellency and to inflame us with his love. Moreover, the knowledge which God gives us of himself is not so small, but it is sufficient unto salvation, and the obligations which we owe unto the goodness of God, the causes of our love, are fully represented unto us in the word of God, where the apostles and Paul, herald of the said word, saith, that unto us is declared all the counsel of God. Acts 20 verse 27. End of chapter 1.